Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Overcoming Unforgiveness by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, this morning we look at a very often sensitive subject. And so I pray today for the help of the Holy Spirit. I pray today for the help of the Holy Spirit to speak the words that you have to, that as we unpack your word and as we look at the theme of forgiveness today, that Holy Spirit, you do a work in all of our hearts. I pray for those that are bound to be set free today, Father. I thank you, Father, for your power. Your word is powerful. And we just trust you today, Father, as we open your word to to set us free. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, I, I want to start with a brief analogy, if I can. It's, it's actually one that John Stott uses. Uh, uh, Tom, Dick and Harry walk into a room uh, and Tom punches uh, Dick right in the nose and breaks his nose and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> blood all over Dick, blood all over Tom. Uh, and anyway, uh, after a little bit of a period of time, Harry comes up to Dick and asks for forgiveness for Tom punching him. Now, I want you to sit there and wrap your minds around that for a moment, but who knows there's something wrong with this picture? Who knows that it's not Harry's prerogative to ask for forgiveness and Harry can't ask for forgiveness and in actual fact, Dick can't forgive Harry because it's Tom that needs to ask for forgiveness and we need to understand that today. We need to understand that it's not anybody else's problem and And our forgiveness before ourselves and God is not anybody else's problem either. But forgiveness is both vertical and horizontal. And we need to understand that today as well. That forgiveness applies to our lives on a vertical level. That's between us and God. And we need to understand that it also applies on a horizontal level. And that's between us and other people. I'm going to make some statements about forgiveness as we move forward. And we will qualify them again as we move our way through. Uh, forgiveness is a dismissal. It is a, it is a letting go. It is a sending away. That's what the word means in the Greek. It is a, it is a sending away, a release or a dismissal. I want you to know today that forgiveness has got nothing to do with the other person. <laughs> forgiveness is a choice of those who have been offended or have a debt incurred against them. When, whenever we speak about offense, if you have a look in scripture, when it comes to forgiveness, uh, quite often the references are money terms, accounting terms. We're going to touch on those today. Uh, you will see that when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he says, Father, forgive us our debts. There's that word, that that monetary term, forgive us our debts as we forgive those or, or, or we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins, O God, as we forgive those who would sin against us. So there's the vertical and the horizontal. And uh, I, I, there is a lack of, not a complete remission of, but there is a lack of horizontal forgiveness until we all settle the horizontal, the, sorry, the vertical forgiveness. In fact, vertical forgiveness teaches us how to do horizontal forgiveness. Maybe a best way for us to understand forgiveness in this century, in these times, is to to kind of think about uh, most of us here have had a mortgage or or have a mortgage. Imagine at the moment you owe the bank half a million dollars. (laughs) 
and imagine the bank rings you up and says, uh, I forgive you of that debt. What that would mean would be, um, and please stay tuned as we work our way through qualifying these, what that would mean would be there would be not only the removal of the debt, there would not only be a ceasing of you making repayments, but there would also be no record of the debt. And please stay tuned as we deal with both facets of those, that there's, that there's no more paying back. There's no repayments to be made anymore. There's no more debt. When there's no more debt, when there is true forgiveness, and sometimes forgiveness for us has looked like, uh, you don't have to make repayments, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep an account of what you owe over here in case I need it for later on. That's not, that's not how this works. That's not how forgiveness works. In fact, as the bank and mortgage analogy will mean, forgiveness is, and please, if you're, if you're taking notes today, write this one down, forgiveness is actually absorbing the pain. And so my prayer is with everybody that's listening to me today, there are people today that are listening to me, I know there are people that are listening to me that, that, that are harbouring bitterness and resentment because that's what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is bitterness. Unforgiveness is resentment. Unforgiveness is an unwillingness to release and to let go. That's, that's what unforgiveness is. And forgiveness requires that somebody's got to absorb that debt. Somebody's got to absorb that pain. And the greatest reference of that is Jesus. The greatest reference is the cross of Calvary where Jesus absorbed all of the offence. He absorbed all of the pain. If the bank forgives you of your mortgage, they will suffer a loss. They will have to absorb that pain and... Forgiveness is a process. It's not always something that happens overnight. And another thing we need to understand is emotional is far more an act of the will than it is an act of the emotions. And what I mean by that is if, if you are waiting to feel like forgiving someone, you're likely to never forgive them. Unforgiveness. And his, if you're taking notes today, please write this down. Unforgiveness or bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. And I say that again. Unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment are one of the major reasons most of us don't experience an intimacy and a closeness with God. It holds us back. It keeps us trapped. We're not going to look at the scripture, but most of us know the account. In all of scripture, it's interesting to note something about forgiveness. In all of scripture, uh, forgiveness is conditioned by confession and repentance. Uh, except for one place in the Bible, and uh, I pray you know where this place is. There's only one reference in the Bible of somebody being forgiven and they did not confess their sins and repent. And that's interesting when we look at horizontal forgiveness as well. There, there needs to be an acknowledgement there. And, and I know there are questions arising right now in people's minds. What do I do about that person that I need to forgive and release but won't ask for it? We're going to touch on that before we finish today as well because many people in the room. But uh, 
when it comes to unforgiveness, I want to talk to you about, of course, the healing of the paralytic. Uh, uh, There's an instance and there's an account in the Gospels where Mark chapter 5, uh, you can find the reference. But of course, where they bring a paralytic to Jesus, but they can't get to Jesus for the crowds. So what they do is they get up on the roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower this guy down through the roof. And, and, and this paralytic, been paralyzed for, for, for a very long time, he finally lowered before Jesus and he's right in front of Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus's words to the paralytic is, your sins are forgiven. That's what he says. There's no confession of sins. He, there's no recognition of a sinful condition. There's, there's no plea for mercy from the paralytic. But Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. And everybody in the room, and I'm sure everybody listening to me right now is like, hang on, Jesus, stop the bus for a moment, please. Uh, let's, let's have a look at this. Jesus, hang on a second. Uh, that's all nice and fine and dandy. But, but for a moment, can we just address the fact that this guy's a paralytic? This, guy's, this, uh, this, guy, this guy here needs healing, Jesus. And of course, what's Jesus highlighting here? Uh, our greatest need is forgiveness. The greatest need of the human heart is a deep understanding, recognition and revelation of forgiveness. What that paralytic needed the most was forgiveness. There's paralytics that are listening to me today. There's paralytics that are listening to me today that need to understand the fullness of the forgiveness we have vertically. We're going to touch on it in a moment. And I'm going to move as quick as I can this morning, but we have a lot to cover because this is a very sensitive subject. So please forgive me if I go a little bit longer. We're going to put it into practice this morning. And I want to tell those paralytics, there are people today that are paralysed. You, you can't move forward in God. You, you can't move forward in your relationships. You, you can't move forward. I've seen it. I was in welfare with girls that could not have constructive relationships. They couldn't move forward in their relationships because they were trapped in unforgiveness and bitterness for how they were treated in the past. They were paralysed. It's time today for the paralytics to take up their mat and walk, but that's going to require... Oh, that our sins are forgiven. And maybe we will understand today that in forgiveness, the one who gets released quite often is the one who does the forgiving. If you've turned in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, and I pray you have, we're going to look at a parable. Now, a parable, Jesus taught the greatest, the greatest and most profound truths concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus taught them in parables. The parable of the sower. If you want to know about evangelism, read the parable of the soul. Why? The word of God is like the seed and so parables. And this parable, we're always kind of, we get an understanding of the parable by what either comes before it or after it. And this time it's before because Peter asks a question in verse 21 of chapter 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. The rabbinic teaching, by the way, was three. So so Peter's done a little bit of addition there. And Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he goes on to tell us a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. This is the first parable that Jesus references himself as the king. He's the king. God is the king. 
a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Can you, can you hear the accounting terms? All the bean counters in the room are going, I'm beginning to understand this kind of terminology. He wanted to, the king wants to settle accounts with his servants. And, and when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And just to put a little bit of perspective, 10,000 talents is about 17 years wages today. It's an enormous debt. It was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents and since he could not pay, since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Overcoming unforgiveness number one is to understand the fullness, and please highlight and write this one down, is to understand the fullness of how much you have been forgiven. As we consider forgiving the debts of those that have sinned against us, overcoming unforgiveness is to put everything into the perspective of how much you owe God. I'm going to make a statement now that some people aren't going to like, but it's okay because you're not here and you can't complain. And that statement is that there is not an offence, there is no offence that any person on this planet can do against you that is worse than what we have all done against God. No greater act of forgiveness will be seen except in the person of Jesus, our wonderful, glorious Lord and Saviour. And there is no greater debt Nobody will incur. We're going to see this in this parable. Jesus highlights this. Overcoming unforgiveness, number one, is to remember your debt. Remember what God forgave you. Remember how much God released you. At one point, we all owed a debt that we couldn't pay. This is the problem, you see. What we find here with this servant is, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. Not only was this servant bankrupt, he had no assets. And that's the story of every person in this room. That's the story of every person listening to me. That's the story of every person on the planet. We all, that's, that's the message of the gospel, friends. The message of the gospel is this. You are spiritually bankrupt. You owe a debt to the God of all creation that you could never pay. Somebody else paid it for you. That's the message of the gospel. And if you will confess and repent, you can be forgiven. You can have your debt before God wiped out. Now the truth is, just like the analogy with Tom, Dick and Harry, we all have a stain. You know, um, Tom and Dick, Dick was covered in his own blood. Tom had stains all over him from punching him in the face. Harry was the only one that didn't have any stains at that point in time. But, but just like those guys, we all have a stain. Timothy Keller highlights this beautifully. We all have a stain. You know, for all those that are listening to me this morning, for every, for every single person that's listening to me, whatever, whatever paradigm you find yourself on this morning, uh, one thing that is common to all is what I call the stain. You know, uh, whether you believe 
Whether, whether you believe in hell, whether you believe in internal judgment, whether you believe in right or wrong to, uh, in an absolute sense, whatever that is, whatever you believe, uh, I, I want everybody to know, by the way, I do believe in eternal judgment. I do believe in a reckoning before God. I do believe in an eternal place where you will be separated from God if that's what you choose. I, I need to make that clear. But whatever you believe this morning, whether you don't want to accept that or accept that or whatever you want to do, one thing that is common amongst all mankind is there is a, we know intrinsically that there is a stain inside of us that none of us can get out. I've got three boys. I've seen some awesome stains that I can't get out of the clothes. I mean, I don't know how these guys, but there is a stain on the inside of our heart that none of us can get out. We can't remove it. We know it's there. Why do you think all creation is groaning? Why do you think all those outside of Christ are writhing? Why do you think all of those who are exposed to the gospel are so fierce against it? Because it exposes that stain. The gospel exposes the stain on the human heart. We've all got it and we forget about it. We forget when we're dealing with everybody else that we had a stain that we couldn't get out. Malachi chapter 3 speaks about one who will come like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. <laughs> I remember, remember when I was working in the radiator shop, we used to do these big earth-moving radiators. And, and when we put the tanks back on, we, 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 they were all sealed with gaskets. And we'd have to use this stuff called aviation gasket cement. Most mechanics in that here will know what I'm talking about. But we would spend a whole day taking all this stuff apart and gaskets cement would be all over your hands and, and, and no matter what you tried, you know, we would use the conventional soaps and it wouldn't get it out but there was this, there was this awesome stuff that we had and, and I really can't remember the name of it but it was this, it was like this soap that you scrubbed your hands with and just got all the gasket cement off, all the stains off your hands. That's what Jesus is like. Jesus is the only one. This world is trying to remove that stain You can give all the money you like and you can't get that stain out. You can come to church all you like and you can't get that stain out. You can be as nice and smile to people all you like and you won't get that stain out. You can pay your taxes and be a nice, hard-working person, law-abiding citizen, but you won't get the stain out because Jesus is the only one that can remove our stain. And I want you to know, friends, that that should compel us to to so freely release everybody else. Forgiveness, the the first step in forgiveness is to realise how much we have been forgiven. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as as we forgive those who sin against us. Oh God, please forgive us. When we place every offence against us, in light of what Christ has forgiven us and the stain that has been removed from our heart that we could never get out. We need to realise how much we have been forgiven. That's what this unforgiving servant forgets. We will see that's what he forgets. He forgets how much he was released. Let's have a look at what happens next. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, verse 25. And, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Then the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. 
and out of pity, and kind of need to underline that word. Some translations will have uh, compassion here. Same word, pity, compassion. Compassion's a better word. Jesus was compassionate. Compassion, compassion's a really important word because what compassion does is it kind of, for a moment, allows you to walk in another person's shoes and to experience life for them. It's about, it's about stepping into their mud and helping them get clean. It's walking with them. But compassion does something enormously powerful. Let's keep reading. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debts. Compassion does something that is our second step in overcoming unforgiveness. If, If you want to move forward with forgiving somebody, you have to have compassion because what compassion does is it separates the penalty from the person. Overcoming unforgiveness number two is separate the penalty from the person. That's what Jesus does. (laughs) Oh, he's so wonderful and so glorious. Uh, We're going to keep referencing Jesus, by the way, because I couldn't find a better example of forgiveness. I couldn't find a better reference point for grace. I couldn't find a better reference point for mercy. I couldn't find a better reference point for forgiveness. And we're going to touch on grace and love and mercy before we finish today. But I want you to know one thing, that when we look at the person of Jesus, he does exactly that. Do you know when God looks at us, and this this will release some people here today, when God looks at us, he doesn't see liar. That's, that's not what Jesus sees. When, Je- when God looks at you, he doesn't see liar. He doesn't see cheat. He doesn't see stealer. He doesn't see dishonourable. He doesn't see unintegral. He doesn't see adulterer. He doesn't see murderer. He doesn't see any of those things. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. What Jesus did at the cross is he separated the penalty from the person. And separating the penalty from the person drove Jesus to do something very, very profound. He took that penalty, he absorbed that penalty, and he went and dealt with it. You see, if Jesus did not separate the penalty from the person, the opposite of this is Jesus dragging every one of us up that hill. (laughs) But he doesn't. Separating the penalty from the person says, I'll take the penalty and I'll take it up this hill and and, and we'll deal with it. And you can never forgive somebody unless you separate the penalty from the person. You need to be able to put the penalty here and the person here and deal with the offence, deal with the problem. Because what compassion does, something very powerful that compassion does, compassion sees that there's a person behind the penalty. There's a person behind the problem. There's a person behind the offence. Uh, I've been watching memorial tributes of Ravi Zacharias and, and I was reminded of one of the very most profound things that Ravi taught me. And I, and I want to honour Ravi because he, he sowed a lot into my life. But Ravi taught me something because I've listened to a lot of his stuff and he, I remember Ravi, and I hope this comes through to those people today. I don't want to just talk about forgiveness today. I want to talk about the people that need to forgive as well because... 
you know, Ravi, he was traveling the globe. He's on the world stage. He's answering questions. He, he would say, you know, if you, you put me on any stage, I'll write out 20 questions. I'm going to guarantee you they're the 20 questions that someone's going to ask. And, and, and one of the ones he says that always comes up is, is, is the question about God and suffering. How can God exist if there's all this suffering in the world? And, and so he goes to one place and, and a gentleman in the middle stands up and asks him this question. Uh, how do you reconcile God and suffering? How can, how can we have a God of love and all this suffering in the world? And Ravi said, he, he, he recalls the testimony where he says, I was about to stand up and give my theological position. I was about to give my theological uh, uh, discourse on, on, on God and suffering and reconciliation, all these sorts of things. And then he's, and Ravi said, in a brief moment, I realised that sitting next to that person was a disabled child. And immediately Ravi recognised the most important truth in the world, that behind every question is a questioner. You watch Ravi in Q&As. He's not answering questions. He's talking to questioners. God used him very powerfully to do that. But it highlights a very, a very poignant and powerful truth. The question's not what... Ravi wasn't dealing with questions. He was dealing with people. Compassion allows us to stop dealing with penalties and, and getting transfixed on those things and realise that this is about people. With compassion comes understanding. Separate the penalty from the person. Deal with the offence. Deal with the problem. But set the person free. Overcoming unforgiveness, number two, separate the penalty from the person. Uh, Let's keep reading on now because things take a little bit of a different turn now. In verse 28, it says, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. Pay what you owe. Uh, Notice what the servant does here. The servant goes out to a fellow servant. Uh, Just another person. We have king and then we have servants. Uh, They both got debts. Part of this is understanding that we all have debts. Do you know, I, I understand there's been some tremendous hurts that we're dealing with here. But you've probably hurt people too. Back at number two, John Maxwell highlights that hurt people hurt people. And we've all hurt somebody. Yes, we've been hurt. Maybe we haven't hurt somebody to the extent that somebody's hurt us, but we're all in debt. We're all fellow servants. We're all in debt. We've all hurt other people. When that servant came out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii, 100 denarii is like pittance. It's like, in comparison to 17 years' wages, it's like a pittance amount. And Jesus doesn't want us. He uses the parable in this way so that we all understand a very important truth. 
what we owe God was far more than what anybody would owe us. A very meagre amount, a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him. In fact, in the Greek there, it literally means to grab hold of somebody and throttle them. And so overcoming unforgiveness number three is what I kind of touched on earlier. We need to burn the balance sheet. You see, we get so caught up and focused on what everybody else owes us. We get so caught up on all of these things. We, we think that forgiveness looks like what I said before. We think forgiveness looks like, you know what? You may not have to make any repayments, but I'm going to keep a balance sheet of what everybody owes me. I, I have seen people. I have heard people, not here, but throughout my Christian walk that can, that can just list off everybody that's hurt them and what they've did. And You can't move forward with a balance sheet that holds you in the past. Many of us are clinging to a balance sheet. Many of us need to adopt love. What does 1 Corinthians 13 tell us? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. Nobody can make any move forward because we're always dealing with this numerous amount of stuff on a balance sheet. Uh, For anybody that's keeping a balance sheet, I've got one question for you today. If you're one of these people that like to keep a transaction record, What if God did that to you? Because that's not what he does. The psalmist makes it clear that he takes our transgressions and throws them as far as the east is from the west. If if you start travelling east, I'll make you a promise, you'll never reach west. (laughs) Just coincidentally, you'll always be travelling east. Forgiveness looks like Burning the balance sheet. There cannot be release. There cannot be freedom. There cannot simply, you simply can't move forward when all you dwell on is the balance sheet, when all you dwell on is what people owe you. You need to forget about all those incidentals. A balance sheet keeps your focus on the actions of the person, whereas forgiveness means we focus on our own actions. You see, a balance sheet will keep you focused on everything that they've done. Look what they've done. Look what the, but forgiveness means I need to focus on what I'm doing. Here's, we have had this conversation a few times through the Overcoming series, but <clears throat> forgiveness is no different. Uh, let me tell you what it is that you can control. Let me tell you what it is in these circumstances that you have a choice over and that you have a responsibility. Responsibility is choosing your response. You are able to choose a response to what other people do to you. I'm going to cover that in a moment. But you have control over you. You may not have control over the other person. You can't control what they feel. You can't control what happens to them. You can't control any of those things. But what you can control is you. And a balance sheet will always keep you focused on the other person. Whereas forgiveness demands that we focus on ourselves. What am I doing? What what choice do I need to make? I want to tell you a brief story. Some people will know this story, but there was a beautiful lady in the 1940s 
and Corey Ten Boon. And I, <clears throat> recently I've listened to her testimony a few times, but for, for those who don't know, Corey Ten Boon was imprisoned in a, in a Nazi concentration camp with her sister Betsy. They were marched naked, paraded before Rav, Ravensbrück, I think it was, or Ravensbrück. I'm not, not 100% sure of the name, Ravensbrück, I think it was now. But they would be paraded naked. And the, the end of the story is they were horribly, horribly, horribly mistreated, like all the Jews in the concentration camps. And through a clerical error, Corey is shipped away at exactly the point that everybody her age died, including her sister, Betsy. Betsy would die at the hands of these tormentors and then just weeks after that, allies would sweep in and liberate them. A couple of years later, Corey immediately begins travelling the globe, speaking about her ordeals and, and how Christ got her through. Beautiful, beautiful story. And speaking about forgiveness. It's interesting how we can talk about forgiveness, isn't it? <clears throat> Forgiveness sounds simple. Forgiveness, speaking about forgiveness is easy. Practicing it is different. But, but one night she's preaching and a man walks up and she's, her testimony says that she knows exactly who this guy is. Long trench coat. It's one of the tormentors from the concentration camp. He comes up and he says, I, I, I heard you mention Ravensbrook in your, in your speech This guard would go on to say that since the war ended, he's found Christ and he knows the forgiveness of Christ. And he holds out his hand to Corey Ten Boon and asks her to forgive him. Right there and then, Corey had a choice. She didn't feel like forgiving this guy. You listen to her testimony. She speaks about it, it was like a blood froze within her vessels. And immediately she put away the balance sheet and realised the one person she could control is the one that needed to respond and she lifts her hand and says, I forgive. But before she does so, she prayed for help. Lord, you have to help me do this. You have to help me to forgive. There are those that are listening to me today that say it's all right to talk about putting away the balance sheet, Pastor. I know it's one thing to talk about it, but I want to encourage you from the testimony of Corey Ten Boone that there is a strength that you can find outside of yourself, a strength to separate the person from the penalty, a strength to, to have the perspective to look at all of how all that God has forgiven you and a strength to lift your hand, put away the balance sheet and extend your hand and say, I forgive you. You know, often those who are on our balance sheet are blissfully unaware that they're even there or that they've done anything to offend us. You're living your life with a record of what they've done and they're blissfully unaware of the transactions. Let's get reading this parable. I've got two more points we're going to move through. The next one is important because forgiveness is not a one-time thing. In fact, forgiveness, we are called to adopt a life or a posture of forgiveness. And I want to show you what that looks like. Let's have a look as we read down 
<clears throat> so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison. <laughs> Unforgiveness equals prison. Let, let's just get that clear. Until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And uh, uh, overcoming unforgiveness number four is to adopt mercy is to live a life of mercy. Mercy is uh, uh, unforgiveness uh, always seeks to subtract. Mercy uh, seeks to add. Uh, Unforgiveness seeks retaliation. Retaliation always seeks to take away from somebody. Mercy always seeks to add, to to fill a need, to, to go beyond. What does this life of mercy look like? What does it look like to live a life of mercy? Because because Jesus taught us this. What do I do? How do I be merciful to somebody else? Because what we're talking about here is your life, your choices, your responses. Jesus talked about retaliation in Matthew chapter 5. And I I just want to run through these things here. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, it says that you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that that is the posture of life that so many of us take. So many of us take, well, they've hurt me and I want to get them back. They've hurt me and I demand retribution. I demand justice. I demand they pay. I demand, that's what the unforgiving servant did. He demanded payment. The unforgiving servant forgot mercy. Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, now I want to talk to you about three quick points about, about what, what Jesus highlights here about living in mercy. Living in mercy doesn't seek retaliation. It doesn't seek revenge. Jesus said some really outlandish stuff. When you're talking to Jews, Old Testament Jews, this was, this was really way out, far out kind of stuff. But, but Jesus says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, <clears throat> that, doesn't mean that, if, that doesn't mean we shouldn't defend ourselves physically, by the way. Uh, if you're walking down the street and someone punches you in your right cheek, it doesn't mean turn on the left and say, hey, Cobber, have another shot here, you missed a bit. That's, that's not what Jesus is meaning. In fact, the meaning here is insult. Jesus says, you know, if somebody insults you, what Jesus is saying is just let it go. If somebody, an insult was like a slap on the face. Jesus says, you know what? If somebody insults you, then just let it go. Just, just turn away. And living in mercy requires a very important thing that I call letting it go through to the keeper. I don't know that for those who understand cricket, but I remember watching a tutorial by Ian Chappell. And he says that every ball that is bowled to a batsman, they have a choice. One of actually probably five choices. Do I play forward defence or forward attack? Do I play back defence, back attack, or do I leave it? There's a term in cricket which is called let it go through to the keeper. 
It's where you actually don't take offence. Do you know there's less to forgive if there's no offence? And so what Jesus is teaching here is, you know what? People are going to bowl body line at you. People are going to bowl dirty balls. People are, going to, people are going to insult you. And from now on, instead of exacting revenge or trying to take chunks out of them or slashing in cricket terms, just lift the bat and let it go through to the keeper. Let it go through to the keeper. I want to encourage people here today that there is some stuff you need to let go through to the keeper. You need to turn the other cheek. You need to forget about it and you just need to let it go. Just, just lift the bat and watch it go through. There's a time to play a stroke. There is a time to respond. And there is a time, friends, to just lift the bat and let it sail on through to the keeper. Turn the other cheek. Jesus goes on. <clears throat> Jesus goes on and says, if... If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Jesus is saying some more outlandish stuff. In the law of Moses, the one thing that could not be demanded or taken from another person was his cloak. It was considered to be essential for life. Uh, Under no circumstances can you demand somebody's cloak. Jesus says, but if somebody wants to take your tunic, (laughs) give them your cloak. You'll seek to add to other people. Somebody's offended you right now, and, I, and it won't take us long to think of somebody that might have offended us. Living in mercy or overcoming unforgiveness is actually a verb. Mercy is a verb. The word mercy used in, in Matthew chapter 18 is actually a verb. It's actually something that you do. It's going out of your way to add to somebody. That's mercy. Jesus goes on and gives us another example. Uh, Let him have your cloak as well. Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And what's what's the background and the context of that? Uh, The Jews who were under Roman rule, that meant that a Roman soldier at any point in time could demand a Jew to carry his pack and all his gear one mile. But the rule and the law was one mile and that's it. Jesus is saying, go beyond. Put away retaliation, put away the balance sheet, put away revenge, put away the eye for an eye and, and, and don't, do just, don't just do the bare essentials, but go above and beyond. Something very powerful and something very spiritual happens when you turn the other cheek and just let those insults go through to the keeper. Something very deep and spiritual happens in your life when you make a choice to not just do the bare minimum requirements, but to add to that person who has offended you. Example, the first example I see of this is Genesis chapter 3 in the garden. Adam and Eve have sinned. Adam and Eve have betrayed God. Adam and Eve have done all these things. <clears throat> but what does God do? They try to cover up their nakedness and shame with fig leaves. But God adds to them. He, he makes garments of animal skin. Blood is shed. Atonement is made. Redemption is proclaimed right in that moment. And he covers their nakedness. He covers their shame. He goes above and beyond. God could have said, yeah, you can wallow in it. You've made your bed, you can sleep in it. But, but that's not what God does. God goes above and beyond. 
Forgiveness is, means you're going to have to go the extra mile. Forgiveness means you're going to have to go beyond. You're going to have to pull away the balance sheet. You're going to have to pull away revenge. <clears throat> Holding a balance sheet means one day I want to settle accounts with you. Burning the balance sheet means I've put away revenge and I'm going to adopt mercy. Number four, un- overcoming unforgiveness. Adopt mercy. Turn the other cheek. Give them your cloak. Go that extra mile. Find a way that you can add to somebody. Retaliation will always seek to subtract. Uh, find a way that you can add to another. <clears throat> and now I want to talk about a very touchy and personal subject as I come to the last one. What about... What about the Judases in our lives? If, I mean, today, friends, if you look up the meaning of betrayal, there's a picture of Judas in the dictionary, right? I mean, that's just... <clears throat> Let's have a look at the life of Judas for a moment. Judas is chosen by Jesus. Jesus, right from the beginning, knows what he's going to do. John chapter 6. Did I not choose you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. Jesus often speaks of the one that would betray him. We learn of Judas that although he sees the same miracles, he hears the same teachings. He eats with Jesus. He reclines with Jesus. He travels with Jesus. Judas always had his money in the, always had his hand, sorry, in the money bag. We see with Judas is he was around Jesus, but his heart was far from him. The truth is that as we expose forgiveness, that many of us have Judases in our lives. Many, Many people I'm talking to right now this morning have a Judas. Somebody who has betrayed you, somebody who has hurt you deeply, somebody who has cut you so deep, that wound is so deep, you don't know if it can ever be healed. And not only have they betrayed you, but they are completely unapologetic. They have never sought, they know they've hurt you. Judas knew what he did. Judas knew exactly what he was doing. Jesus, Judas knew exactly what he did. He tried to give the money back, but it was too late. He betrayed Christ. He sold him out to those that hated him. And there are those that know they've hurt you. It may have even been completely intentional. That's, that's what really cuts deep with Judas. Judas, what you did, you knew you were doing it. You intended to do it. And for 30 pieces of silver, you sold Jesus. And there's people listening to me that have got Judases in your life. People that, have tra- people that have pulled your heart from your chest and done a rain dance on it. They've hurt you. What do you do? The life of Jesus highlights two things. First thing is, uh, 
Let me use the analogy of a house. If, if you invite me over to your house and you invite me over to have a meal at your house, uh, I would come to your door. You would let me in. I, I, I might be allowed to go into the kitchen. I might be allowed to go into the living room. I might sit at your table and we might share discussions and communion and fellowship and food, but, but we wouldn't sit and eat in your bedroom. We, we wouldn't sit and eat in the bathroom. And the reason is there's certain areas of your physical house that aren't open to everybody. And so I want to talk to the people that have got Judases in their lives, people that just take the opportunity to pull your heart out and do a rain dance on it. You know, just, okay, uh, I want to just wipe my feet on you whenever I get the opportunity. What am I, what am I supposed to do with those people, Pastor? Well, well, you need to put up boundaries in your life. You need to let them in. It's, it's like... <clears throat> It's not that you remove them from your life. It's that you set up boundaries. You, you notice something with Judas. Notice in all of the life of Jesus, Jesus I noticed something very, very important. Uh, when you have a look at the Mount of Transfiguration, you will see that he took Peter, James and John. <laughs> You'll note that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes Peter, James and John and asks them to pray with him. No, Judas. <clears throat> You don't have to give people access to your bedroom. You don't give every single person that intimate access. You still have to be involved. You still have to interact. Have a look at what Jesus does with Judas. He never excludes Judas. He never speaks against Judas. He knows exactly what Judas is going to do the whole time. He never seeks retribution. He never treats him differently. There's no sarcastic comments. There's no segregation. There's none of that because there's no bitterness. Jesus ate. Jesus didn't separate or seclude himself. The Pharisees hated Jesus, but he still ate with Simon the Pharisee. The Pharisees hated Jesus, but Nicodemus knocked at his back door one night and he says, come on in, son. Let's have a discussion. But Jesus had boundaries. John chapter 2 tells us that many people believed in Jesus when they saw the signs, but he did not entrust himself to them. He did not entrust himself to them because he knows the heart of all men. Friends, what do we do with the Judases in our lives? We, we don't remove them, but we set up boundaries. We set up parameters. We don't let them do rain dances on our heart. But here's the big thing that we need to do. Overcoming unforgiveness, number five. Here's the really big one. Here's here's the posture of life. Here's here's the really hard one. Uh, Overcoming unforgiveness, number five, means you take the high road. And the high road is a word we call grace. That's how God treats us. It's treating the other person unfairly. Jesus treated Judas unfairly. Jesus was always unfair to Jesus. Judas. Why? Because if Jesus treated him as he deserved and as was fair, Judas would have had a very bad day. 
But the same for you and the same for me. If God treated me how I deserved it, God treats me unfairly every day. God is unfair to me. Why? Because if he treated me like I deserved, he would wipe me out of existence. But he's gracious. He's gracious. He's gracious. Overcoming unforgiveness, number five, the really most important one. You're sitting in your lounge room today and you're wondering to yourself, how do I, what do I do with that person that has hurt me and cut me deeply and, and won't ask for forgiveness and won't, you take the high road. You make a choice to take the high road. And John Maxwell highlights this beautifully, that we all have a choice. Whenever somebody, uh, whatever anybody does to us, we're faced with a choice to treat somebody uh, on one of three roads. There's the low road, there's the middle road and there's the high road. The low road is where we treat other people worse than they've treated us. That's the low road. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you worse than, I, than you treated me. Here's the middle road. Here's, here's the road that many of us are guilty of travelling so often. The middle road is I'm going to treat you how you treat me. That sounds fair, doesn't it? That sounds just, doesn't it? It's not the gospel, friends. Then there's the high road. And the high road is where you make a choice. I'm going to treat you better. I am going to treat you better than you treated me. You insulted me. I'm not going to insult you. You spoke badly about me. I'm going to speak about all the positive things about you. Friends, if you're wondering what we do with those Judases in our lives, friends, you take the high road. You treat them better than they treat. Jesus treated Judas better than Judas was ever going to treat Jesus. Jesus treats us all better than any of us deserve. Taking the high road is tough. Taking the high road is hard. The high road does not remove people from our lives. It gives them restricted access. Now that's, that's actually not the same thing. There are people that we let into uh, the intimate space in our lives. There are those people that we have that intimate relationship with, a friends, family, I get all of that. But that we don't let everybody in there to trample on us. Taking the high road looks like, you know what, pick the phone up and go, you know what, you hurt me deeply. You may be unapologetic, but I just want you to know, I don't hold anything against you. I forgive you. And I'm praying for you. (laughs) Friends, overcoming unforgiveness, number one. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Remember the debt that you owe. Number two, separate the penalty from the person. Number three, burn the balance sheet. Number four, adopt mercy. Number five, choose to take the high road. Friends, can I tell you that when you choose to take the high road, something deeply spiritual happens. A deeply spiritual release happens. It's the hardest choice. Just like Corey Ten Boone, hardest choice was to lift the hand. 
But when you take the high road and you treat people better than they treat you, that's grace. That's the call of the gospel. If you're sitting wondering what practical thing can I do right now, the Bible says a few things. What's, what's some practicalities in all of this? The Bible says if you have anything against your brother, go and seek retribution. And I would encourage you that if it's possible, contact the person, say you've hurt me. You may not get it, but at least you've put it out there. At least you've let them know, listen, you've hurt me. I'm not holding this against you. I'm going to burn the balance sheet, but I just want you to know you've hurt me. And I don't want this to be between us. I want to drop this. And here's the number two thing is pray. Pray for that person that's offended you. Pray for that person that's hurt you. Pray for the Lord to help you to forgive them. Uh, often uh, forgiveness particularly when it comes to the Judases in our lives, uh, forgiveness is something that we have, must draw supernatural strength for. The reason so many of us are paralysed, the reason so many of us can't move forward, the reason so many of us are so distant from God is because we need to address the greatest need in our lives. Lord, forgive me and take away my stain and Lord, help me to forgive everybody else. Help me to forgive, help me to take the high road, help me to be graceful. True release comes. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. True release will come in your life when you make a choice to forgive the other person. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, we remember how much you have forgiven us. We remember the day you walked the hill and absorbed all of our hurt and all of our pain. Lord, teach us to forgive. Help us to forgive, empower us to forgive, teach us to take the high road, Lord God. We pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that bitterness would take no root in our lives, that resentment would take no root in our lives, that unforgiveness would be cut off at the roots, Lord God. Help us to live in love, help us to live in grace, help us to live in mercy. Help us to always seek to add to the other person, Lord God, and never to take away from them. We ask for your help in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. God keep you as always. Uh, at the end of the messages, you will see on the video uh, a link that comes up with our, uh, our contact details. If you need to get hold of us, if, if you want pastoral care, if you want to send us a prayer request, whatever you need, you can get us at www.therock.org slash contact. So that, that link will come up at the bottom of the screen. God bless you. God keep you. And next week, please join us as we embark on our series of Drawing Near. Amen. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.